Welcome to another amazing episode of Kazi's Audio Experience. This is the podcast where we're not only going to sharpen our technical skills, but we're going to learn to become profitable as filmmakers. What's going on, everybody? Another week, another live. This time, I'm bringing on Kevin Garrison. Dude is a freaking legend. So it's Kevin Garrison. Go give him a follow right now and let me tell you a little bit about him. The thing that I like about Kevin, okay, besides, let's just mention a couple of the things that he's done. 50 plus commercials, two feature films, been to seven continents. But like I said, the thing that attracts me the most about him, he's a freaking go-getter. He is a freaking hustler. He's all things practical. I've seen his lives before and you guys better grab a notebook because we're going to be discussing some real freaking stuff. So I cannot wait for him to pop up here. And we're also going to talk about his film that's going to be coming out soon. Well, he was the DP on the film, uh, Nomad, and it's mind boggling. I've seen a commercial. I've seen the trailer for it, and it's one of the best looking things I've ever seen. And guys, there's going to be so much practical stuff. Like seriously, we did a lot of prep for this one, so it's going to be jam-packed, loaded. You know how I drive these things. So get pumped. I'm going to wait for him to show up. I told him to show up two, two minutes after I introduce him, and we're going to jump right in. So guys, go follow him right now. Kevin Garrison. Check him out. So he's live. I'm bringing him on right now. Hey. Hey, Kazi, how's it going, man? Let's freaking go, brother. How's it going? Very well, very well. Good to see you. Good to see you, man. Uh, this is the first time I'm using my Rodecaster Pro, dude. I'm so pumped because, you know, these things turn into my podcast, but usually I just put a H4N really close to the phone, and then I just go for it, oh, you know? Oh, cool. I, I, dude, totally. I'm, I'm all things frictionless. We talked about it yesterday. I gotta, I gotta produce. I gotta make things happen, you know? But this time, we're gonna have your audio. So I, I, I introduced awesome. you um, a little bit and I sent people to like your Instagram and where they can follow you. But brother, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my, my name is Kevin Garrison. I'm a, a DP based out of Los Angeles, currently shooting a film called Nomad. And uh, it's a love story that takes place on all seven continents in, in 25 countries. And it's an indie film. It's a, it's a pretty wild ride. And, and uh, I've done quite a bit of international work over my career and and this is sort of the uh the, the peak of that in terms of, of any future project I, I ever could have been uh hoped to have been a part of so um it's been a pretty wild year or so for all of us but that's so exciting, uh dude. that's the latest that yeah. is so freaking exciting so let me ask you this i mean we're going to talk about nomad afterwards too but i just want to ask are you mm -hmm. done with principal photography or are you still shooting we're still sh Shooting. So obviously with uh, everything that's happening right now with uh, the virus and all that, everyone's kind of uh, cooped indoors. So we, we got to a really great point on uh, our third leg uh, of this journey. We've done it in multiple pieces. So we're, including travel, we're about 175 days in now. <laughs> so we've all been involved in this for, um, you know, at, at least a year, in, in many cases longer, including prep and scouting and all of that. So uh, we've probably got you know, a, a couple of weeks to go, but right now we're taking a, a, a brief hiatus as everyone in the world is. Um, as to go we all should. Do some post-production, yeah. So there's so, some editing happening and things like that. So, I mean, what is it going to be, dude? 170 plus days? I mean, I'm thinking like the Irishman, right? It's got to be like four hours, five hours. Like, just let it be. Why yeah. not? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, I, it's funny that you mentioned that because the, the Irishman, it came in at 108 days. Wow. And... Uh, 
the the DP who shot that Rodrigo Prieto uh, actually saw some of the footage from Nomad. I had a chance to show him some of it, and he had to, he said the same thing. He's going 175 Let's days. Go. Like, what are you doing? How long is this going to be? <laughs> dude, dude, just let it be because you know it's going to break your heart. And especially you being a DP, every single shot that mm -hmm. goes into it, I'm sure nothing is a throwaway. So when you guys keep chopping it down to like that 120 or whatever that feature length you guys settle on, I mean, mm -hmm. I hope you do a director's cut and a DP's cut. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. But fortunately, uh, the director, Taron Lexton, is he actually came up as a, a DP uh, into oh, wow. directing. He's a, he shot a lot of his own stuff as a director when he was younger and coming up. So um, he's got an incredible eye. And, you know, usually whatever ends up in the edit, I've, I've been very happy with historically. He's a uh, multi-talented dude. So, you know, it happens. Every every project has shots that, that get cut and and you know end up on the floor and what Name have you but game. exactly but i think we're, we're doing pretty good so far i want to ask you a question uh based on what you just said so i think this sure. is a big distinct like this is a big factor right when i'm working on projects i have creative directors that are coming from design background so their sure. outlook on color is totally different i personally prefer that because they're more like i call them like don drapers of the world you know they just come in they sit mm -hmm. back and they talk like madmen, you know, like they talk about feelings and like what what's inspiring them and they walk away. They let you do your magic. Whereas right. I work with DP slash creative directors and they're like hovering over your shoulder, like looking at where you're <laughs> clicking, what you're doing. So what I want to ask you is yeah. that is it similar when it comes to production? You know, in, uh, you mean in terms of as a DP having people who are like very micro uh involved in everything or I'm, I'm talking about like directors that come from a background like say a designer turn a you know sure. director or a dp turn into a director like what's that right like right. for a dp yeah it's uh, obviously i think every director is different just like every creative director is going to be different in the way that they work um you know uh, for example sophia banks who i shot the kylie and kendall commercial with she comes from uh, a very heavy fashion background yeah. and she's hyper aware of uh, the fashion and the color as it relates to that and how, you know, the girls are going to look in the images. And, um, you know, she, she has a real knowledge of that world that, that I don't possess. So the relationship with her and working on a fashion spot is very different. Right. Taron coming from a, a background as also being a DP and director, he's incredibly knowledgeable both in directing and camera and is very, very good at the medium of visual communication. So we tend to get more micro specific in terms of, of the cinematography of our projects together. So he has very, very exacting needs and wants as a director in terms of cinematography. So they're both fun. It's exercising different muscles um, and, and there's different objectives in mind with each project. So you have to like, kind of see what makes each person tick. And, and in Teron's case, I try to get as nuanced yes. in every single thing as possible with him that because tells that's me, how he works. That tells me a lot about you and like your attitude, attitude toward each job. And I think that's something very important that people should, you know, take it in. Like, don't just hear it in the mm -hmm. background. Understand what he just said, because so many people that I talk to, like people who are not even colorists yet tell me, Hey, Kazi, I got this gig, but I, I'm not sure if I want to take it because that's not what I want to do. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me, dude? Like, you can't even spell right. colorist yet. Like, take all yeah. the jobs. <laughs> like, I spent 
majority of my time working on TV, like reality TV type stuff, like grading, because that was yeah. what was paying the bills. I don't care, but I gave my 110. I didn't look at it as like a throwaway project, you know, because somebody to somebody that means everything. So I need mm -hmm. to be honest and I need to bring that game too. And that's what I'm hearing from you too, like to, to have that mind shift, but don't look at it as like a flaw because, hey, I'm a DP. I work well with people that can get granular and technical over somebody that's coming from a fashion background, maybe speaking some language I don't understand. No, that's your opportunity to like, you know, step it up and learn a new skill, you know, and now you have it. Totally. Um, I want to talk Absolutely. about- Absolutely, couldn't agree more. One thing that, you know, yesterday when we were talking, I think that's just, it hit me like so hard. And I think we want to, we want to talk about this. So many times people say, Hey, you know, I am, I'm lacking in social media because I don't have the personality for it. I'm shy. And that was one of the things that we talked about, like, you know, your background and where you came from and how the camera was your voice. And it just like, yeah, it was very powerful. So like, take me through it and how you can tell people something that can help them in that situation. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, look, I, I can empathize with that in, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, and I, I get it when, when people say, Hey, look, you know, I, I'd like to promote myself. I'd like to, um, do more jobs. I'd like to do better on social and all these things, but I, I I'm, you know, for lack of better phrasing, I'm, I'm afraid of being, uh, judged or putting out the wrong thing or, uh, creating something that people don't like. I mean, artists want, to create stuff that people like. That's kind of why we do it. You know, we're not usually putting our stuff behind right. closed doors and saying, I don't want anyone to see this. Right. You want people to enjoy it. You want to create a good effect. But, you know, growing up for me as, as a kid, uh, I, you know, I, I, I enjoyed uh, being outgoing, but I wasn't really. I, I, I was pretty shy as a kid. I, you know, I was very happy to... Um, you know, hide behind my mom's legs at the grocery store and, and it would turn on and off. And there's just, sometimes you, you get uncomfortable, um, <laughs> you know, and I, I wasn't very popular in school, uh, growing up at all. My sister was super cool. I was not, I was allowed to sit at her table, um, <laughs> you know, and I just wasn't the cool kid at all. I was the nerd and, and the kid who was on computers all the time and were playing video games. And, um, it wasn't until I was a teenager that, I kind of found photography and I started taking photos and noticing people liked photos. And, you know, it was kind of as DSLRs were sort of becoming more prevalent. And I, I went, I'm, I'm, I can meet people doing this. Like I can communicate with people when I'm taking their photo and like, I'm offering a, 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 a service that people seem to like. Yeah, and love it it became a way for me to uh, meet people and interact with people and overcome whatever it was that I had that kind of kept me from doing that previously. And the camera became um, a means to expand my horizons. And it was, an, uh, it became a reason to travel and it became a reason to interact with people who probably would have scared me to death before. Yeah. And that was really how I kind of got over that, but it's important to, yeah, recognize, but recognize that it exists, but then you have to push past it eventually. You got to push past it. And and the thing that I love what you said here is that you never, you know, so you're, you're a DP, so you know, like the ins and the outs of like the camera, but never once mm -hmm. you mention anything about technical, because I remember being young and my uncle had the coolest gadgets and 
it's got to come from that, you know, because everybody in the family is an engineer or a lawyer. But when I go back and I just trace back to like where this bug came from, it's got to be my uncle with the coolest toys and the big freaking like audio monitors and everything. And I'm always like in his house, just like touching these things and his camera work with the with the remote. And that's back in like 1992 or something. And I'm like, whoa, you know, so for me, totally, it was so much like because I'm like a gearhead, too, you know, but what what's beautiful about your story is that you're talking about camera being the medium to like communicate and and tell your stories mm -hmm. and dude that's it man like this is this is so much more important that hey kazi like you know 10 bit like working with 10 bit is cool but what about 8 bit like never once here you mentioned anything about i had an 8 megapixel camera 2 megapixel camera you're just talking about right. hey <laughs> this is what it let me do and i feel like if people start looking at it from that perspective yesterday i uh, i talked to you about Dude, checking out that movie from Lawrence Schur, you know, that's shot on iPhone. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful yeah. story, dude. I had like tears coming out of my eyes when I was watching it. I forgot that this dude shoots in Ari Alexa and like, this is not that. I was just yeah. like following the story. Um, so from this, I think it's a perfect, you know, leeway to get into talking about your first job um, at 18. And, mm -hmm. you know, you climbed up the ranks, right? You're not one of those dudes like the first gig was that. And I just hit a, hit a home run and I got going. But I want to I wanna hear about and how you summarize that journey. I think it's very important for people to hear that. I'll, I'll try not to drag it on too much. But I, I lived in um, Florida as a teenager. And I was working at my dad's company doing sales. And uh, I had a girlfriend in Los Angeles. And I had... I had Grown up most of my life in Los Angeles, we moved to Florida, and I started to get into photography in Florida, and I wanted to do that full time, but I didn't totally know how to do that initially. Um, so I started to save up some money from sales. I, I saved up probably eight grand in a year, you know, and, and I was like, you know, not going out as much, and yeah. yeah and it, at 17, like that's, that's you know, a, a, a small fortune. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I packed everything into my car and I drove across the country to LA and I uh, basically camped out at my girlfriend's apartment for a year until she eventually was like, Hey, you, you need your own place. <laughs> Can't do this. And I was going, okay. And uh, well, yours is a long time. So I, it is. It's a long time. I, I think I, I managed to, uh, you know, fooler for long enough, yeah, but, yeah. uh, you can only keep that charade up for so long. Right. And, uh, so eventually I had one of my friends who was coming down from Canada. We got a tiny little apartment on Argyle and Hollywood together. And it was a thousand dollars a month and we had no idea how to pay it. And we didn't do anything. We just literally took over a friend's lease. We didn't even do any paperwork or anything. Oh, we were just cool. like kind of skating under the radar. That's cool. And, uh, we would do like Groupon headshots for like 50 bucks a pop to pay for our rent. And then we would eat like top ramen and, uh, and you know, have like Tecate beers cause it was the cheapest thing on the shelf. Oh, he's in the chat right now. Spencer Jones. He was my roommate. Let's go. And, uh, awesome. <laughs> so we would actually, and, and he helped edit Kylie and Kendall, believe it or not, this commercial that we'll talk about shortly. That's sick. Um, yeah. So he, he and I would basically just do whatever we could to make ends meet. Um, and then we would shoot in the evenings. Whenever we had some free time, we'd get back from, you know, doing whatever, eight headshot shoots in a day to try to make rent. 
And then we get back and pull our cameras out, pop them over into video mode and like try to recreate a scene from the social network, you know, sitting there with, you know, a laptop and putting like crumpled pieces of paper in the foreground and a lamp behind the hands to try and get this like backlight. And we were just trying to figure it out as best we could while surviving in and putting stuff out there, you know, posting things online, posting images, showing that we were shooting things. Um, and that was sort of how we became familiar with filmmaking. But dude, the thing that I love about you is that even like, you know, I'm going to mention that yesterday when we were talking and you being on Roger Deakins forums and just asking him questions, it's like mm -hmm. people before they even do something, they'll put limits on themselves that, Hey, I can't reach out to this person or I can't do this and I can't do that. Whereas one thing that I see from you is that you do it first and you think about it later. And that is the difference. Yeah. It's like execute first, do it first, figure it out later. Um, and you know, there's something beautiful about it. That doesn't mean that, you know, you, you're going to do a, you know, good or bad job. You're just going to figure it out. You're going to get better, like with experience. Yeah. Um, one thing that, yeah, one of the questions that I'm going to read now, and then I want to, uh, go into something else that was really interesting. We talked about yesterday, but one of the questions is that somebody said that pretty much if I were to summarize the question is like, Hey, do I have to quit my job if I want to be a freelancer and then attack it full time? Or like, is there any other option? So what's your take on it? I, I don't think that you have to quit your job to, to, to do it, especially um, this year. If you've well, got a job, well, I would, let's, I would yeah, hold on to This that, is but... an anomaly. So let's forget about this year. Like <laughs> yeah. in a normal yeah. circumstance, if somebody... Even in a normal scenario, yeah. you don't have to. I mean, I, I didn't. I was basically, I kept my job doing sales to pay my bills and... And, and learn as much as I could until I reached a point where I said, okay, I'm, I'm not comfortable doing it, but I can do it. Like I, I gave myself enough time to go, I have four months. Okay. So I know, I know for sure I can make $8,000 last four months and maybe it's going to be really uncomfortable, but I have that buffer. Okay. So I can figure things out with that amount of time. And that's when, I moved to LA and started pursuing, I didn't even know what I started pursuing making images for a living. And, and I didn't even know where that would lead me. I wasn't even doing cinematography at that point, right. certainly not professionally, right. but that was where I sort of decided to just take the leap. And it was of course terrifying and it's a, it's a risk and it's difficult, but all of the best things that happen in life tend to be that like nothing that is super comfortable is going to lead to some sort of enormous yield down the road in terms of life or career. I, I say that to uh, everyone, like, you know, anytime I talk about this, like with freelance, I mean, I did it the wrong way, like uh, 2012, I'm hating my job. I'm feeling like a, you know, monkey with a camera on my back. And like, you know, my creative director tells me, Hey, shoot this. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm yeah. shooting it, you know? And like, that was kind of the thing. And it was a full-time job straight out of college and uh, talked to my wife and I'm like, I'm miserable. And she's like, quit. Yeah. And I'm like, we have 700 bucks in our account and our rent is 900 bucks, you know? And yeah. uh, she's like, okay, we'll just move back to Chicago with our parents. And I'm like, well, that's an idea, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> totally. I, was, I was so desperate that I ran with it, dude. I just did it. And I quit my job and I don't know what started happening. Things just started happening, man. Like, and my dad and my wife say this thing all the time and I always hated it, but now I think I'm a believer in that. And that is things will work out 
And my dad always yeah. said that. And I'm like, dad, what are you talking about? But the dude always figured it out, you know, our whole mm -hmm. lives. And my wife always said that, like, even when I'm like, if I quit my job, what's going to happen? She's like, it'll work out. And then the freelance was like a snowball effect. I started shooting some stock photography or, or actually video. I had a pocket cinema camera, 2.5K at the time. And the dude that I met, a producer, and he like loved the setup and everything. And then he hired me to shoot some stock footage and he would pay me a couple of hundred bucks here and there every week. And then, you know, he started uh, asking yep. me to color <laughs> some stuff and we moved on. But the rest is history. So that's how I did it. And, you know, just to like kind of relate to what you said, you came here and then you figured it out how important that whole yeah. thing is. Um, Kevin, I want to talk about something. Yesterday we talked about like how, you know, leap of faith is a big thing and and that's like a theme in your life and you know you going yeah. to take that leap of faith and go to 10 different countries with i think you said you had eight thousand or ten thousand dollars to last you for all those countries that you've been you know went to and shot tons of stuff and then that email exchange or whatever you if you don't want to disclose yeah, yeah. all of it <laughs> if you do that's a great story if you don't but share that story i think that's very inspiring you know what? I think it's I think it's a good story. I don't think Teron would mind too much if I shared it because I think it's brilliant on I his part. I think it's part. a great story. Yeah. <laughs> so early on, um, at basically around that time when I'd moved out to L.A., um, I met a filmmaker named Teron Luxton, who is the director of Nomad, and um, I I knew that he had a studio, that he was a filmmaker. I didn't totally understand it. I just knew it was like this beautiful group of people who were like making amazing things. And I just wanted to be a part of it in any way. And so I remember I, I was like, well, I want to learn like about this film that you're making. And they were doing post-production on a film that he had shot called the squeeze. And I went in and basically uh, <laughs> convinced him to let me into the footage and help assistant edit. And I sort of just stuck around at the studio and showed up every day. And eventually I think they were going like, well, you know, this is like, was supposed to be like a couple of days. And, um, you know, we, we don't have like extra budget for an extra assistant editor. I was like, that's fine. Like this is just going through the footage is like a privilege. Um, Respect. I kept showing up and I think he, you know, and Spencer did as well. And, you know, he'd come in and we were just like trying to figure things out. And I think eventually they started feeling bad and they, started paying us a little bit and we just sort of became a fixture and we were there for like months, you know, and I would be there late looking through footage going like, how is this shot? Like going back and forth. And, you know, sometimes the camera would pan off and you'd see a light and it was like, Oh, okay, cool. That's how they lit it. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. And that's uh, so some months later we were on a commercial shoot and I was uh, PAing and like helping out with some of the lighting, kind of helping set lights up and, Teron mentioned that they had this project that they wanted to send somebody out on. And like the whole budget was, I think like $10,000 or something. And he's like, well, we want to film water in some like interesting ways for this PSA. And I, I, I remember just hearing that. I'm like, okay, I want to, I want to do that. I want to be that guy. And I, I kept following up on, I was like, yeah, let me do that. Like, I'd love to do that. And I think he was, like, well, maybe you could even get some stuff outside the country. Like, it'd be cool if, you know, you could get you to some places and shoot some incredible stuff and whatnot. And I remember asking him, well, what, what would you do? Like, what would you do if you were my age at this point in your career? Like, uh, I would really look up to what, what you did and how you've created your career. And he said, ah, I, I don't know if I would ask me. I, I would, 
at your age, I don't know, I probably would have spent everything and just created the project that I wanted to create. Yeah. You know, everyone else be damned sort of and and just basically invest the entire thing into it, pay myself nothing and, and just make it. Go all in. And yeah, and, and he wasn't recommending that I do that. Right. That's just what he probably would have done. Right. Uh, but I took it to heart and I, I managed to find this crazy round the world ticket that was like $6,000 that went to 12 different countries. And it was a 47 day trip. And it was like going across the globe like this, like it was LA to Iceland, to Italy, to Dubai. And they had the big fountains in Dubai and then uh, all the way over to Vietnam and then Vietnam to New Zealand. Oh, and then I drove I down you. New Zealand and <laughs> But there was no, you know, there was no budget for it, yeah, really. Yeah, you're not and, partying, yeah. You no, know, there was, and it was 47 days straight. I think I took uh, two days off because I got food poisoning in Vietnam or something. Oh. And uh, it was, it was like this whirlwind, but it was so exciting. And before that, I like took a loan out and I like got a red scarlet, like early days. And I brought that along. So I was like offloading cards onto USB drives you know, at night, like Iceland, it was like five hours between sunrise and sunset. So sun would set. And then I had five hours, like offload footage and like sleep in the car. Sick. And then I would go shoot sunrise five hours later. So I was sending stills back to them the entire time. And I wasn't uh, trying not to say too much about how crazy it yeah, all was. It was just yeah. like, here, here's some pretty images and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And um, I knew that they were in prep on Teron's first uh, feature as a director like they were preparing for that and I was kind of hoping like maybe I could work on this movie somehow whether it was like as a uh, a gaffer or maybe like a best boy or like in the department in some way or maybe in camera who knew right um, you just want to be you know, on set yeah I just wanted to be there and be yeah. involved with with that group um, that was TXL film so I really wanted to just hang with those guys because they were just making stuff that no one else was making and they were doing such an incredible job and everyone was so happy and like cool with one another that's it so i i was like happy to not be doing anything else and having no other things to do like i was doing exactly what i wanted to be doing and uh so around new zealand i was like 40 days in and i was sending back another batch of stills and i got this email from Teron, and and it says um in search of Fellini director of photography and I was going like oh, like th- this is he's gonna ask about DPs or something and or yeah. he's got some question and I'm reading it and he goes hey man I just want to let you know we we chose our DP uh we've interviewed you know just dozens and dozens of guys um and we've been talking to some of the best guys that we could possibly hire on and and we settled on somebody and i think you're really gonna like him and i'm like getting so excited reading through this thing of text going like he's gonna say like i can meet this guy and maybe even work with him or whatever and he goes hopefully you two get along it's you and i just remember like i almost like dropped my laptop out of the car and like into the water and uh i was i i was like thinking i read it again and i'm going he just said, I'm shooting his film. Like I, I'm going to DP it. And I, I finished the week out, shot everything, went back to LA and we immediately went into prep. And that was Teron and I's first feature together. How old uh, in were you? Of 22, right? Yeah, I was 22 when we started. And I think, uh, 23 by the time we finished, uh, post completely. So I started it 
had my birthday on production, and then I think by the time we wrapped the whole, the whole film up, I was 23. So, Kevin, here's the thing. I don't know if it's a question or a statement, but for you to take that chance on yourself and go all in, is that is that confidence? Is that naivete? Is that what is that? Or is it like it, it, I, insanity? <laughs> you know what I mean? You get what I'm saying? Because it's like 99.9% of the people wouldn't do that. Sure. So, so well, yeah, I, I think that's the point, though, is 99% of people wouldn't do that. And that's what makes it such a, a ripe opportunity. Like, I think uh you know you could say that about any project you look at an area where people aren't doing things it's like if if you could be the one to to do that right you're the only player in the field um you know there's definitely some some naivete and and uh you know blind wild abandon involved but at the same sense it's like i i'm also a firm believer in okay it's going to work out yeah but you have to do it Things work out for people who take actionable steps and and do something to pursue what they want to do. Right. And I think if you can do that, uh, if you can pursue the career path that you you want to with just absolute feverish wild abandon, while still uh, supporting those around you and 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 maintaining your life and your friends and your group and like propping everyone else up it's the best life anyone could ask for, That's but you it. have to take that leap. You have to. And when you've been to those 10 countries and when you get that email and yes, you're shocked and you're stoked, but at the same time, I'm sure you're afraid and you're like, just, you don't, you have no idea. You've never done that. But I also have a feeling that you're at like the peak of your like career because you're doing this by yourself and you're feeling really confident and the kind of stuff that you're mm -hmm. getting. Right. So do, are you feeling like, Oh shit, like what did I put myself into? Or are you feeling like this is the next step? I'm freaking pumped. I'm ready to go. Oh, a weird blend of like a hundred percent of both. Honestly, yeah. like yeah. Good half answer. of it, half of me is like, this is exactly what I've been dreaming of. And I want nothing more than this. And then the other half of me is going like, how am I going to sleep tonight? Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know how to, what's our first day on set going to be like, what is, you know, the movie going to be about what, how am I going to light something? How am I going to run a team of people? Um, you know, but that feeling is kind of exciting. And I think everybody feels that who is driven, yeah. pushing the, the, the boundary of what they want to do, right. you know? And, and if, if you get bored, it's, you're not really pushing yourself like yeah. you should feel a little freaked out by what you're doing oh and 100 dude i'm like i'm i'm an adrenaline junkie like my whole life i threw myself yeah. in scenarios <laughs> where i'm just like oh how are we gonna do this by the way talking about finances how to make eight thousand. you said last like six months or something like that i need to hire mm -hmm. you as my coach dude you got like we, <laughs> you gotta teach me all the ways because it's like i don't know where the money goes man <laughs> but <laughs> I want to talk about, yeah. so one of the questions, let's, let's uh, attack one of the questions here. People, somebody asked like, is it different? Um, I think they're asking in terms of like having a different team of people or how do you rent cameras or whatever. But somebody asked like, is it different to shoot in other countries? Like what are there certain things that you got to keep in mind? 
Yeah, there, there definitely, there's a lot that goes into shooting in, in other countries. Um, you know, the, the, the U.S. is great in that things are pretty streamlined and, and what have you um, in terms of like renting cameras. Yeah, you show up, you have people you can hire. Um, and, and other countries have that too. Um, and there's certain places that are like hubs for filmmaking in other countries. You know, it's like um, you've got in, in Budapest, there's a pretty good film industry in Hungary, you know, and in Croatia, they're pretty well set up. And in England, they've got a huge film industry. And, but there's places where that's not the case, you know. Um, so I think the biggest thing is, like, for example, on Nomad, we're filming obviously in 25 different countries. Um, there's a lot that goes into that. And I don't know the answers to all those things because we had a production team that, that uh, you know, between all of them, they've now worked through and worked in 70 different countries with TXL films, you know. So they, they have this enormous amount of international experience uh, that they bring to the table. And it's like, you know, that whether that's doing carnets to work with customs, uh, permitting for, you know, uh, drone aerials in different countries and, uh, local production services and people that they work with there, like they know all of that. I fortunately don't because they're just really good at handling it. But like renting cameras, sometimes you're in, you know, South America and you've got to fly a camera in from, uh, you know, Brazil and you're in Chile and it's like, you've got to have a person get on a plane with a camera package that you rented elsewhere because there's only three rental houses that do big things. So it is. It takes an enormous amount of experience to do that, and I think we're very fortunate to have um, a, a team of, of experts who who handle that and have been there to to support us for that. Just hearing that like blows my mind because we are so spoiled in LA. Because here, I just go on ShareGrid and I go, I'm looking for Ari Alexa Mini, and then I got like seven pop up in my zip code in Irvine, and I can just go pick one for like. I don't even know pennies. You know how it is. Like, I mean, these totally. things are so freaking cheap now. It's insane. Um, I want to ask yeah. you, so another good question here. Obviously, um, you didn't go to film school, right? No, no, I, I didn't. I almost went to film school, um, but did, didn't, didn't quite make it. So my question for you is somebody asked, like, how do you get far without film school? So I think now we want to get maybe a little bit more granular. So you maybe if you have sure. certain resources that people can follow, if they want to be a director of photography. Yeah, yeah. It's um, so look, I mean, not I don't want to knock film school because film school can be great. It's for one thing, you can have enormous amount of equipment resources. You can meet a lot of great people. There are incredible uh, teachers out there and incredible schools that have made some unbelievable filmmakers. Um, for me personally, I, I was not, uh, I, I didn't do great in a, in a classroom. That was like not my thing. I loved studying, but I didn't want to go through um, a traditional educational curriculum. Um, so I thought it was necessary. And basically, as soon as I found out that you didn't actually genuinely have to go to film school to survive, I, I, I ditched the idea. Um, but I think the way that you make it is you, you still go to film school. You just study on your own. You know, you have to create your own film yeah. school and you have to find the resources necessary to, uh, you're creating your own curriculum, right? So I would shoot or work 30, 40 hours a week when I was starting out and then spend the remaining 40 hours of my time in a given week 
studying. And I did that for months because I didn't know it's an incredibly technical craft. So you have to know how to uh, light, yes. use a camera. Um, but that information is widely available. You just have to seek it out and you can go into the books and things and you can read, um, you know, five C's of cinematography and, and set lighting technicians handbook. And I did all of that and that's great. But to start out, it's like, okay, if you want to learn about color, you can read the Da Vinci manual. That's like 600 pages long. It's right. not, to teach you much of anything about how to color right. um you know or you could watch a bunch of your tutorials and like gather some wins like right. create footage that looks good right and exactly. go i can do this you know like get something under your belt right and i think that's what i uh like about the the color tutorials that you do for example is it's great data and it's it is granular granular and, and hyper technical but it's accessible to people. Right. It's something that they can do with DaVinci, which is free. They can do it with any footage that they have to hand, or they can download stuff off the internet. Like yes, there's exactly. raw camera files on the internet everywhere. everywhere. You can find it. Right. So you can go from nothing to learning very quickly, but you have to find the information that is uh, applicable. Like information is only as good as it is applicable to you. Like if you can actually That's go right. out there and apply it, then it's valuable. Otherwise, it's just theory, and it's like maybe it's good to know, but I don't know. Even if it's theory, you should be able to go out and apply it. Um, otherwise, it's kind of fluff. No, how many course junkies you and I know? Like so many people that will just buy any and every course under the sun, and then they just are overwhelmed and they don't watch anything because they just think that that was good, but now this new one is even better. Um, and right. I, I always. I, I couldn't agree more, dude. I mean, you just summed it up. I mean, I, I can't even add anything else to it. I mean, it's it's like school is great for people that are not disciplined. If you don't have yeah. a direction, if you don't have a niche, and if you're just figuring it out, like school wasn't necessarily a bad thing for me when I went to school because, again, like I said, uh, uh, in my entire family, extended family, no background of anybody doing this field, like being in this field. So when I went to film school, I mean, my favorite actor was Arnold, you know? I mean, that that's right. that's where we go. Like, you know, I had no right. idea. I didn't know the first thing. So when I started, it was like Terminator 2, baby. Like, I mean, everything's got to look yeah. like that. You got to, you know, so right. that's where I came from. So it wasn't such a terrible thing. Um, but in 2020, in 20, 2006 is when I went to school. That's a different story. In 2020 and what we sure. got now, you know, if you're disciplined, if you kind of know what you want to do, I mean, there's so much knowledge. And one thing that I always tell people that, you know, don't have too many chefs in the kitchen because there's so much out there, people get lost. Mm -hmm. I always say latch on to one resource, whether it's Kevin for director of photography. And like, if you want to be a DP and you start eating his stuff up and like ask him questions and he's going to be like there to like answer it for you, then that's your go-to guy. If color is your thing and yeah. if it's me or somebody else, latch on to that one person and then exhaust that resource and say you get to a point where you're like, yeah. okay, now I'm at that threshold where I can go to the next step, then do that. You know, that's, mm -hmm. that's just my two cents. Kevin, I want to talk about one thing. Yeah. So we're going to lead into Nomad right now. And then I think before mm -hmm. we jump into that, let's talk about how important it is to be somebody's guy. We talked about it yesterday, you know? Yeah, um, it is. It's, it's important. And I think that's a great, um, it's a great piece of advice that, that you have, that you've given people is like, be somebody's guy, right? Um, latch your, 
wagon to a shooting star. Like find somebody that you admire and and provide something valuable to them. You know, for me, the directors that I work with, they're not just like clients or people who I'm there to facilitate. Like they're people that I admire deeply. Like I admire their craft. I admire who they are as people. Um, you know, I admire their personal lives. Like these are people who I, I really look up to. And I consider to be a, a, a huge inspiration. All, all of the people that I've worked with, especially on Nomad, like uh, these are my closest friends who I uh, aspire to be like. And if you can provide something to those people that is valuable to them, there there is nothing more satisfying. And in, in turn, it's like those are your people. For example, um, I work with very few colorists, uh, you know, primarily Thai is who I send all of my projects with. And there's a bunch of amazing colorists, both freelance and at company right. three and, and everywhere. But um, over the years, it's like, I, I know how Thai works. Like even on Kylie and Kendall, I was in another country when that was being graded. I wasn't in the room. Yeah. I've, I've graded in the room with Thai. I've graded over, uh, remote sessions with Ty when I was in other countries. We just did a spot together where I was in Argentina in a hotel room, you know, yeah. grading remotely with him. Kylie and Kendall, there were times where I was texting notes and like drawing on my phone, like, hey, can you darken this, you know, yeah, yeah, ceiling yeah. down a little Love bit or can we adjust the contrast here? And we worked very, very well together. So he's my guy. Like, I don't really want to go to anyone else. And sometimes you have to colorists get busy, you know, and, and, and that can, that can happen, but he's, he's my dude. And it's important to be someone's person. And if you provide, uh, something that goes above and beyond what would be expected of a person in that position ordinarily, and you try to really deliver in abundance, I think you tend to become someone's person. And that's why you see huge directors that work with the same uh, core team for yes. sometimes decades. Right. I mean, freaking, you know, Christian, Christian Bale is like Nolan's, you know, dude and, you know, Hans Zimmer. And like, I mean, it just Tarantino has his people and that's just the name of the game. And, you know, I, I think that's when you transcend and it becomes more than making a quick buck and, uh, yeah. you know, what's in it for me. And uh, people hear it and people hear that advice from, you know, everywhere. So it, people are in, you know, tune in tune to it and they're just like kind of zone it out. But, that is the sauce. Like that is that one thing. If you really live by that principle, that's what makes the difference. Brother, talk about your movie. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Nomad is this production that we're on right now. Uh, being directed by Teron. So this is the second film that I've done with Teron Lexton and being produced by TXL Films. So it's kind of the same core group of people. And it's, it's a love story on seven continents that takes place with uh, no cinema lights and with no CGI. It's all real locations. And it's essentially a, a story about this guy who has a mysterious condition where he's unable to stay in one place longer than 12 hours. And he meets a girl who's never traveled outside of her hometown. And it gets really crazy. <laughs> we love it. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I'm hooked. Yeah, man. So it's been... It's been a, a in, insanely uh, wild experience. I think coming into this, we didn't really know how crazy it was going to be. Um, but it, it's, you know, 
We've got eight crew members that we travel with, two actors, seven continents, 25 countries with no green screen, no lights. And it's kind of like, it's the biggest little movie that's ever been made. You know, it's this huge indie epic and it's being shot as an epic. I mean, it, we're shooting on the Alexa Mini LF uh, on Signature Primes and it's, the images are IMAX quality. I mean, they're unbelievable. I'm going to have to second that. I mean, Kevin sent me some frames <laughs> yesterday, and I hearted it so many times <laughs> on my <laughs> iMessages. Dude, it's... Oh, thank you, um, man. First of all, I'm going to flip this around so they can see where they can follow that page. Nomad the film. And look at... Uh, I mean, and uh, is the trailer on there? And then obviously the website is on there too, like where they can see the trailer and stuff. I mean, guys, look yeah, at... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's on there. There's a video uh, a little further down uh, on how we shot the eclipse. We shot a real solar eclipse in Argentina at the beginning of the year. Uh, I'm sorry, in Chile, geez. And uh, we, we filmed at uh, the Atacama Desert during this huge celestial event yeah you can see the image right there oh my god and and that's all real there's there's no cgi that's been done that's a real solar eclipse that we had exactly like three minutes and 12 seconds to capture wow. in real time and we had to plan it all out it took weeks of, of preparation on the ground to like map out where the sun was going to end up being and and how it would all line up and then we're shooting it on a lens that's like bordering on a telescope, a 1500 millimeter lens, so we're a mile away from the actors. Yep. And that was our first shot of the film. That was day one of 175 so far. What a way to freaking start, dude. Because, I mean, what yeah. will give you more juice to keep going than that? I mean, that is genuinely like one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And uh, the scene in the tunnel. Thank you, man. I mean, I think, do you think it'll be beneficial if we talk about, that was my wife, by the way. <laughs> yes, congratulations on 10,000 TikTok followers. He said congratulations on 10,000 TikTok followers. It's, what is it now? It's like 50,000. It's 50,000 50, now, bro. <laughs> Let's We're go. on the wrong platform, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's a freaking, uh, what are we naming our castle? Content castle. Content castle. We're trademarking it. I like that. Everybody like creates. That. My son <laughs> creates, my wife. Like, we're just content creators here. Um, That's awesome. Brother. I mean, we so talk about that, like the you know the the scene in the tunnel, and where you kind of felt like, okay, this is where like we just can't do it. Either we're gonna cheat it, like use a light, or yeah, like yeah. this is not gonna work. Like so, some of those challenges. How did you come around that? Yeah. So, um, you know, we we kind of we we could have used some lights on this film, probably, um, and there were definitely times that I think that would have made things a lot easier. Um, but we decided to just go all in on this thing and, um, shoot it all with natural or existing light and to just work with what we had, uh, in these locations. So there was one location that we shot in a, this underground bunker in Australia and we went down there to scout and it's like one of those things where, you know, we're putting on boots and stuff and wading through water and we're like going deeper and deeper into these tunnels. And I'm like, I can barely see with my eyes, you know, like what, where are we? And we finally get to this location and there's just some like emergency led lights, uh, on, on the wall. And I'm, I'm going like, well, how are we going to do this? Like <laughs> Carol and I are both going like, I hope there's an exposure in here, you know? And it, it, it 
it was it was the first moment where I think it was pretty early on in the production where we were going like, can this camera even handle this? Like, what are we going to do? Um, but we didn't really have any other choice. And we just said, look, this is going to be what it is. We're going to push the camera. We're going to see what's capable. And on the day, we had these just these emergency strips that were like this long of exposed LEDs, different color temperatures and everything. Yeah. I n- never would have thought to do that. And we we shot the entire scene as lit by these things. We just moved the actors around so that they'd be closer to these lights in this big bunker, push the camera to 1600, which the LF handles beautifully, Beautifully. like beautifully. So I was shocked. We were all shocked at, at just how much information we were able to capture. And I actually, for the first time, it was like, I never would have thought to light something in this way, but now I go, that's kind of cool. Like it got added into the yeah. library of, of yes. data that you then pull from later. And um, it was just another kind of moment of serendipity on this film where we're going like, wow, that actually ended up working out better than I ever thought that we'd be able to do. Um, so it worked out really well. I wish I could show people that shot. Um, is, it, is it on there? Like if I scroll down or uh, something? Yeah. If you, if you, uh, I don't think it's on the page. I, I, I texted you it. Did you, were you able to download it into your camera roll by chance? Uh, I had it from yesterday. Hold on, let me look. Oh, I think I figured it out. I think, hold it, on, hold on. I think there's a little way to show a photo or something. Right. Um, and I'll just answer. Somebody asked, heavy noise in those shots. Not really. On the LF um, in particular, I think maybe it's the larger sensor size or something. It, it's pretty incredible what that camera can handle. It's a very pleasing grain. So um, it, it, it ended up looking pretty good. I hope that answers you question andy all right kevin answer some more questions come up with something give me a second we got to pull that up yeah yeah i'll buy time for you <laughs> yeah, yeah do it say go about making a project and and try to create something and put it online i mean there's an enormous amount of uh opportunity to uh, to to disseminate your projects out into the world so i i would say create something uh, study up on on some some basics of camera stuff, whether it's like watching um, what other DPs are doing or going, you know, uh, studying Film Riot on YouTube. Find a resource that teaches you a bit and then utilize that to create a project and put it out there. And, and the more that you create, for one thing, the better you'll become, the more people who will see it, but also the more ready you'll be to jump into that industry when you're a little bit older. I mean, you're 16. I started a year when I was a year older than you. So uh, jump in, go full speed, and, and be obsessive about study and, and production, and, and you'll, you'll be in the industry quicker than you think. I, um, I failed you. I, I imported the stills. They came in, but the problem is that they're not loading up here, like in Instagram. Oh, it's, I think it's because it's, uh, they're, they're older. Like it probably does it in chronological order. Yeah, exactly. So it's not bringing it up. Oh, man, what a fail. Um, that's okay no worries but i mean the thing is exactly first of all people first of all guys everybody you guys need to go follow him need to that's that's a need um and when you follow him you're gonna see the images there first of all and um kevin so Mm -hmm. i'm gonna go through some more questions sure so here's the handle we're gonna talk about it in like five five minutes too but kevin garrison that's the handle go follow the dude i mean so, Kevin, here's the thing. The thing mm-hmm. that I 
enjoy about you, and we talked about it yesterday too, that every single thing that you talked about today, there was so, like, pretty much every sentence, like, has a weight where people can actually learn and apply these things, right? So... Thank you, man. No, it really is. Like, it's freaking insane, dude. Like, it's it's very helpful. And I feel like I want to say that that mentality and, like, that thing comes from the experiences that you've gained throughout, you know, how you started and how you always just done it and then figured it out along the way. And I feel like that's a very, very important thing to talk about. You know, I have gone down that rabbit hole where I'm on Film Riot for like, you know, two months straight because I'm thinking that yeah. I'm just, oh my God, afterwards, I'm going to be this guy. And then afterwards, all I learned is that I shouldn't start my YouTube channel because I freaking suck compared to, you know, Film Riot. Like, I shouldn't do it. So sure. I tell people, like, even when I did my master class, like I said, I cut out, like, any consumption. Like, I was out. Like, I wasn't even connected to the Internet. Like, for that month, mm -hmm. two months, like, when I was making my master class, because I didn't want any thoughts to come to me. I just wanted to attack it my way. And I feel like a lot of your, you know, everything that you talk about has a lot of that weight too. Like where it's just like, Hey, go experiment, go do it and then see what comes of it and then use resources to like kind of help you get to that next level. Like when you just feel like, okay, there's that thing, like that amazing story that we talked yeah. about, you know, like where you're just like, Hey, I, my first day on set and I'm working with people that have way more experience than me. That is, yeah. <laughs> dude, this is so amazing because this happens to everyone. And so many people just like, you know, shut down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they're because you know those other you know the the experienced dogs they know how to kind of intimidate you and throw that in your face that you're new and they want to shake you up a little bit. And totally, I feel like if you can squeeze that story in in a minute, like maybe talk about that too, like how you know even like the whole thing how you said like I did this and I did, bought myself some time to like yeah. think through. <laughs> think the, the you know uh, just think about like what i'm going to do next i feel like you should share that because that's a really good story too yeah absolutely um cycling through my airpods to make sure they're working can you hear me okay yeah i hear you okay good well basically on the first feature that um that i ever did in search of fellini which anyone who wants to see it it's on netflix it's pretty easy to find um i was 22 you know a lot of the guys that were working underneath me gaffers grips uh in camera they had been in the industry longer than i'd been alive you know <laughs> and had worked on marvel films and things and, and were hugely experienced I, I was very fortunate to have them as a team but you know here i am this like young kid arriving on set and it's like the one thing that i knew was just look right or wrong it's better to be decisive better to be decisive and wrong than indecisive and right because people don't do well with indecision like you're making a movie you've got to decide on things and sometimes you make mistakes it's going to happen to everybody right. it, it just occurs so um you know i the first setup that we were in it was just like i remembered asking that question on the forum of roger deacons how did you like this one scene and i remember him going uh we you know, I, he responded, first of all, which blew my mind. And and then he was so generous with the information. He goes, and he actually gave the info that it was being asked for. I put like three 650s into 650 watt lights into some uh, unbleached muslin off to the side to like uh, be the key light 
and I kind of folded it around and and that's how we lit it. And so for first day on school, sorry, did, no, is it I got you. working? Yeah, 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 you're here. Okay, cool. So first first day on set, that, that was like, I just reached for that because I knew that one thing. I was like, well, I got to choose one. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's how we lit it. And that became like the lighting setup that we scaled up and down and used for almost the entire film, generally speaking. Like that was our, our like lighting setup. And I remember there were even some gaffers who were like, oh, that's kind of like classic, like really cool idea. Like do that. Like I like the style of that. And it was like, thanks. <laughs> I stole it, you know? <laughs> Dude, this is amazing. This is so beautiful because if that's one thought that we can leave people with is that, you know, it's not necessarily fake it till you make it. It's like fake it till you become it, you know, like you, you keep yeah. practicing and you turn it into your thing. And Tarantino says that he's the biggest thief, you know, he's stealing everybody's idea, great ideas and making his movies. So, you know, I, that is freaking phenomenal, dude. And thinking on your feet. And like making decisions, I mean, that's all the difference in the world, you know, like that could be another one hour long conversation where we talk about, sure. you know, hey, what is that politics and like how to keep that relationship going when you're working with like, you know, upper echelon clients, like there is so much more than your skill set, right? I mean, that yeah. is going to take you so far. But then after that, it's going to be that tact, like it's going to be that thing that, you know, takes you up a notch. Brother, we have one minute. Thank you so much for freaking joining the information that you brought, the freaking people that you brought, like everything that we talked about. I know for a fact people are going to learn so much from it. I'm going to have this as a podcast. Guys, this is also going to be available for 24 hours here. Uh, Kevin, tell us where they can follow you, your website, all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So um, on Instagram, I'm just at Kevin Garrison, G-A-R-R-I-S-O-N. Uh, you can see more behind the scenes uh, about Nomad over at uh, Nomad the Film, N-O-M-A-D-T-H-E-F-I-L-M. Um, and then, yeah, my website's just kevingarrisondp.com. All right, brother. Thank you so much, man. Thanks for Absolutely. Up, Thank you so much, man. Guys, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with friends, subscribe to this channel, and I will see you in the next episode.